This is the Parenting for Faith podcast from the Bible Reading Fellowship. Visit parentingforfaith.org for free online videos and resources and an eight-session course all about Parenting for Faith. You can also sign up for news, subscribe to this podcast, and find out about events and training in your area. Welcome to the Parenting for Faith podcast. Once again, I'm afraid it's not Rachel Turner this week. My name's Anna Hawkin, and I'm the National Coordinator here at Parenting for Faith. But by the wonders of modern technology, we are still going to have loads of Rachel's wisdom in today's episode. She's going to kick us off by helping us think about how do we get our kids ready to serve in church? Is that something that you think your child might be interested in, maybe with the new school year coming up? And if so, how do we do it? For our question section, we're going to hear Rachel's answer to a question she was asked at an event about how to deal with parental guilt, something I think all of us have experienced at one time or another. And in the wildcard section, I'm going to share a bit about catching from God for your child when you're pregnant, waiting to adopt or have a teeny tiny person. And maybe you're wondering, what does this parenting for faith stuff look like for me? My child can't chat and catch. They can't say anything um, yet to me, let alone to God. Um, And I just want to encourage you in that season. I wanted to bring the getting kids ready to serve up now because we're, we're sort of looking towards the fall. School is happening again very soon, if not already. And it's a really good time to reflect sort of on, on how our kids are bigger and they may be ready for a next step in their involvement in church that they may not have been ready before. And so feeling purposeful in church is a really important thing for children and for teenagers. Well, for everybody, really. Uh, It helps them explore their gifts. It enables them to feel the power of serving and, and really being needed by others, being needed by others that are older than them and younger than them. It helps connect them to other people and create a sense of community. It gives them a sense of ownership over what happens at the church and a, a deeper sense of belonging. And so getting our children involved in serving in ministry at church is, is really quite significant to how they feel about church and in helping them explore and expand bits of their faith. And so how do we sort of know when they're ready to do it? I don't think it's an age thing. I think it's sort of a you're the parent and only you will know kind of thing. Uh, one of the things that you can begin to do to sort of lay the groundwork is to seed the idea in early. So uh, sort of talk about it as an expectation of being part of church. It's not an add-on. It's not something that you could do but don't have to. It's it's just a part of being part of church is that you are an actual part of it. This isn't a performance. It's not a theater. It's a group of people coming together to be together and make something together happen. And so everyone is needed. That's what the Bible says. Everyone is needed. And so create windows into where you serve in the church and why. Why did you sign up to that team? Why do you do it as much or as little? What made you want to just not not just come but to get involved? And I know for some of us who don't currently serve, that can be a problem. We can be embarrassed by that. But I think also you have to realize that there are sometimes reasons for why you choose what you do. So I know some parents who are the parents of four children, and the way they're serving the church is to facilitate these four children to be part of church. And I consider that part of serving the body of Christ is is being a facilitator of people accessing 
church itself and finding their place and being welcome and understanding things. And so for some of us, we do go through seasons where we're in particular taking care of our families or, you know, just feeling like right now the best thing I can do is to just be kind and sweep people up. And I don't have time to join a team, but I can be part of the loving the people of the church. And so I would just challenge you to expand your definition of what it means to serve in church. It doesn't mean that you have to be on a team that has a rota and a t-shirt, but at some point you are involved in the serving of the church. And that could be in how you welcome people, how you're loving, how we invite people into our home. You are being purposeful in the church. And I would suggest you talk about that so that your kid can begin to see that everybody who's on this journey is purposeful and powerful within this community. Uh, the second thing you can do is introduce the idea for a couple of weeks and say, you know, I think, you know, this is something we need you here. We need you to be you. And, you know, it sort of sometimes looks like you're just coming and participating and just singing along. And actually, you need to be you in this place. The, the Bible says that the hand can't say to the foot, I don't need you. And uh, the foot can't say to the hand, I don't need you. And different parts of the body can't say, oh, because I'm not this, I'm not part of the body. And you can't say, because I'm not an adult, I'm not part of the team. That's, that's not the way the kingdom works. You're just as important as I am and everybody else here to make church happen. And so I'd like you to look around and say, where am I needed? What is making me passionate that I want to get involved in? And you can spend a couple of weeks going, what do you think about this? And what do you think about this? And if you could change one thing, what would you do? And ask lots of questions. If I give you 50,000 pounds to spend on the church, what would you do it? And, you know, you can just begin to explore and just talk fantasy and, and help find your kid's passion. Because identifying your child's passion is what enables them to find their place in a church. Uh, so often we just go straight to their gifting. Well, they can play music, they must join the worship band. And just because they can play an instrument doesn't mean that they have the heart of a worship leader or they have the heart of a worshiper. So some, some people who play the piano actually are most passionate about making people feel welcome. And, and if we take them out of what they feel passionate and called to do, just because they have the skills in something means we may miss out on them fulfilling that sense of purpose and being part of God's great and wonderful plans. And so help them identify what they're passionate about. You can ask them, what do they want to fix? What's not going well enough? What really needs you to help? And really help them find what they're passionate about and pair them up with those things. Every time I look in scripture, I see lots of people who you wouldn't say are super gifted at what they're called to do, but God facilitates them doing it because he's chosen them for that. And there's something about drawing close to God and saying, God, make my heart passionate for what, where I can be most useful to you here. What, what is, what are you stirring in me that I can do something about and help them find that passion. And then you can just help facilitate it, whether it's talking to team leaders or joining the team too, so they have cover or creating space or volunteering to oversee whatever, whatever it is they need to facilitate being part of that community then uh, facilitate it because that's our job to help them find confidence the next step to be part of it and uh, and then you get to see the blessings of what a church is like when your kid is fully participating and being them there so as we just look at church and as you're heading back and getting your brain around a new school year and new experiences and new after school stuff consider 
consider empowering your child to be their part of the body of Christ within the church because they are needed and they are valued and it will bring such a new and exciting aspect to their walk with God. You mentioned something this morning about parents feeling very guilty. Could you say more about how you deal with parental guilt? Yes. Um, If you're a parent in this room and have ever felt guilty, raise your hand. Yeah. Welcome! Uh, I find parenting, I just had, I was just in a spiral yesterday. I did this wrong. I was texting Mark. I think I've really messed up. Uh, Parents' guilt, I find, is incredibly powerful and paralyzing for a lot of us. Um, because we feel like we're never going to get that moment back. You know, it's not, you never get a do-over. And so we're like, well, that's psychologically scarred my kid. <laughs> Hope that doesn't come back to bite us on the bum. Uh, and we feel like it's irreparable always. And some, sometimes it is. We've all made, you know, some big mistakes. You're like, yeah, they're going to remember that. That's going to pop up later. Um, and I, I think there is this guilt. And, and some of it is, uh, is letting go of the shoulds for me. I find that we all live with this set of shoulds in our head. I should have done this. I should have known better. I should have been a better parent. I should have done this. And the shoulds set a comparison that we can never, ever recover from. And we live with these shoulds. I should be better. I should have known better than to do that. And, um, or I should be doing this. I should be doing that. And the shoulds are like kryptonite for us parents. And so for me, um, embracing the imperfectness of us as people, I found really helpful because actually, like, we are all on a journey. This is in the confidence book. It was really helpful writing a book on confidence. I decided to write the confidence book because I didn't know what I thought about it. So I was like, I'll write a book on it. So uh, in discovering this, I really feel like this was significant for me as a parent, not just for us as kids, because for me, we expect us to be better than is logically acceptable that we are. We are all learning. None of us have parented our children. Nobody in the history of the world has parented this child through this season of their life before, ever. Like we are, every day we wake up, nobody has ever done this day before with these children. We have no idea what we're gonna face. There's no shoulds for that. There's just hang on. But also for us, we are being transformed into being more and more of Christ. We are on a lifelong journey of becoming more like him and growing in maturity. And yet we expect ourselves to be perfect parents when we're 25 with a three-year-old. That doesn't make any sense. We can be the best that we can be, half tired, on no sleep, at 25 in our maturity discipleship. We, that is the best we had. And there's something about accepting that and knowing that God's got our back on that that I feel really, really important. We don't, like, I love, I love Bake Off. I do. I'm having some emotional trauma about the whole Channel 4 thing, but I'm moving on. Um, I know, I know, I know, it's big. Um, but what I love about Bake Off is, is if you think about Bake Off, we don't go, we don't turn on Bake Off and for them say, hello, I made this. That is not the joy of Bake Off. The Bake Off is not the final moment. The joy is watching them make the cake. We don't come in and 
watch them halfway through and go, what a rubbish cake. We know it's in process. We enjoy the process. The successes and the fails and then when what's her name took his ice cream out of the freezer and then yeah. put it on the thing. That is such an injustice. But we love, we love watching. We love watching the journey and delighting in the journey. We don't judge the cake when it's only halfway done, but neither do we come in halfway done and go, what a bo- most beautiful and perfect cake when it's only halfway done. We go, this is in process, and we are all in process as parents. And there are times that this was just my best, and I, with the knowledge that I had, that was what I did. Now that I'm smarter, would I have done it that way? No. Um, now that I know how it turned out, would I have done that way? No. But you know what? With the best of information, with the amount of tiredness I had, with, with all I had, I gave my best, and I trust that God, God's grace is sufficient for me in those moments. And so I just go... God's got it. And so often I'll ask God to do surgery on my kid's brain to take out, I'm serious. Uh, Because I'm like, okay, God, I really don't want my moment of, of weakness to like be embedded in there. So I'm like, okay, God, can you just do some brain surgery and like just take that memory out or pour your grace and change the memory in there. And I just, I just try to partner with God and pray over my kid and I apologize when I make mistakes. And there are some things that I didn't screw up on. I just wish I had done better. And that's just about saying, I gave my best at the time and God, God turns all things to, together for good for those who love the Lord. And I trust that he will take my mistakes and my weaknesses and my weirdness and he will turn it for good in the life of my child because he loves my kid more than I love my kid and he loves me more than I could possibly fathom and he's got this. And he let me parent my kid in that situation knowing how I was like and still trusted me with it. our wild card section, Anna, my colleague who oversees the national and regional developments is going to share with us a bit about catching for our children when they are very tiny. So I wanted to chat a bit today about catching from God for your children. Now, if you've been around Parenting for Faith for any period of time, you're probably thinking, whoa, 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 it's a trick. I know you're not supposed to be the high priest and get in the way between them and God. Uh, So catching for them doesn't sound like a very good idea. And yeah, as they get older, absolutely, you want them to be uh, teaching them to chat and God with chat and catch with God for themselves. Um, But there's a stage, particularly when you're pregnant or waiting to adopt or you've got a new baby, uh, where you're able to catch for them and uh, part of your investing in their spiritual life is to pray for them and that's probably an idea you're more used to is to um, chat to God about the things that you want for their life and to, to pray all kinds of specific things in but catching from God and hearing what he's saying about them can be part of that too and this is something that you can continue right throughout their life and um, when you've got some time and you're praying for them but it can be hard to know quite what that looks like. Uh, So I just wanted to talk you through sort of four steps, if you haven't done that before, how you might do it. And this is on our website as well. So if you want to come back and have a look, you can. So um, just find somewhere where you've got a little bit of space. If you're in the night feed stage, uh, that could be a time to do it if you're still awake. Um, But it doesn't really matter. Get comfy. And to start off with, just ask God a question. So this can be broad, it can be really specific, you can ask it out loud in your head or write it down. I've always been a write it down person and I type because my handwriting is really slow and messy and I can't read it. But do whatever works for you, that might be on your phone, um, on a computer, whatever. So you could ask a question like, um, is there anything you want to tell me about my child today, God? Um, What words describe them? Which Bible character will they be like? 
What's their part in your plan? What about that makes you smile? Which gifts have you given them? So for me, I find it helpful to make it a bit more specific. Um, uh, that's just how I learned to catch from God. But if it helps you to go broader, go for that. And then wait for a response. So the second stage is to stop and wait. It's easy to talk. It's harder to listen. And just as you get ready to catch a ball that's being thrown at you, be prepared to receive whatever God has for you. So in session five of the Parenting for Faith course, it explains all the different ways that we learn from the Bible that God might speak to us. So be aware of any feelings in your body and any pictures or words that pop into your head. And don't dismiss something if it doesn't make sense at first. Ask God why and see if he explains a little bit more. The number of times God has given me something and I think, what on earth is that about? I must have just made it up. And when I pressed in a little bit further and asked him what's going on, he's revealed something really amazing that I would have just missed out on if I hadn't done that. And keep in mind that God never contradicts himself. So if you see or hear or sense something that doesn't line up with what you know about him from the Bible, go back, stop, ask him again, because you might not have got it quite right this time. Um, and again, there's kind of tips and some help on our website about discerning what's from God and what isn't, if you'd like some more help on that. Don't be discouraged if you don't feel like you catch anything. It's a process to get used to and it can be really tricky, especially if it's a new skill for you. Take some time, uh, practice, maybe do it with a friend who is a bit more confident and has done it before. So that's the first thing is to ask a question. And the second thing is to wait for a response. And then thirdly, and this is a stage that's easy to miss, but I'd really encourage you to record it somewhere because sometimes catching is just for the moment, but sometimes it's a great encouragement for the future as well, especially if we're talking about a child that hasn't been born yet or hasn't joined your family yet. And it doesn't matter if you're not certain if it was catching from God or just your own thoughts. Sometimes by writing it down and keeping it safe, actually when you go back to it weeks or months later, it might make a bit more sense. So you could do this in something that's searchable, an app like Evernote or in a journal, in a baby book, something like that. Um, I am lazy. And for my first child, I had a notebook that I did about two pages in and then never wrote in again because I'm not very good at that kind of thing. So what I ended up doing instead is um, setting up an email address for each of them. Uh, with, a, with a password that obviously they don't have access to at the moment. Um, but it's just a place that I can send if I have an idea or a thought or a word from God. And I also send pictures and other stuff as well. I just email it to that address. And then I know I've got a searchable place where I've got all those things um, and that they can come and look back at them when they're older. Uh, and what I like about that is I can just do it from my phone or computer or whatever. And it's got the date on it as well. So I don't have to be too meticulous in my record keeping. And then the fourth thing, so after you've done that, asking a question, waiting for a response and recording um, whatever you see or feel or hear or sense, um, I'd really encourage you to get other people involved, safe people who you trust and who you know have a connection with God and a relationship with him. Mm. So that might be um, if you're from a tradition that has godparents, uh, it could be them, other friends from church, family members, and you could ask them to catch for your child as well. Um, one of the things I've done for my children is I've got a WhatsApp group that has their godparents in. And every now and again, uh, not very often, I have to say, I, I should do it more, but I will send a prayer request on there or ask them to catch from God about something specific for my child. And it's just a really easy way to keep them in touch of what's going on. And make a note of anything they say or share, just as you have with your catching, because you'll be amazed how often different people's catching links together or confirms each other. 
Um, and at my previous church, as part of a baptism or dedication service, uh, they would ask the entire congregation of all ages to catch from God for the child and write it down or draw a picture of what God had shown them. And as the children's pastor, I got to sort through and see. And yeah, some things were a bit random and needed some filtering. Um, but often there was a very strong theme um, over that child's life and lots of people who didn't know the child or family and didn't know each other and hadn't seen what each other had written um, were able to write down very encouraging and helpful things over that child. So that might be an option where you are or it might be something that you could do in advance. Um, in, in Helen Goldenberg's book, Jesus, My Baby and You, she talks about maybe even doing that as part of a, a baby shower, like having a prayer shower instead where people pray over the baby and uh, catch for it. Uh, so I hope that's helpful. Uh, feel free to do it if your children are older. It's not just for before they're born, but it's a really nice way to encourage people who uh, don't have the children in their family yet to get involved with Parenting for Faith from early on. And the question to start an interesting conversation with your kid this week is this. Sometimes I struggle to feel connected to God. What is your advice of what to do about it? Have a good conversation. Thank you for downloading the Parenting for Faith podcast. A new episode will be released next week. And why not look at parentingforfaith.org to watch the free eight-session course, to get in touch, or to find out about training and events near you.